Hi, this is Jill Jarris. From September 2017 through April 2020, this podcast was known as Olympic Fever. We've since changed its name to keep the flame alive, but we're committed to keeping our back catalog available to you. So please keep the name change and this disclaimer in mind as you listen to it. Olympic is a trademark of the United States Olympic and Paralympic Committee, or USOPC. Any use of Olympic in the Olympic Fever podcast is strictly for informational and commentary purposes. The Olympic Fever podcast is not an official podcast of the USOPC. The Olympic Fever podcast is not a sponsor of the USOPC, nor is Olympic Fever associated with or endorsed by the USOPC in any way. The content of Olympic Fever podcast does not reflect the opinions, standards, views, or policies of the USOPC, and the USOPC in no way warrants that content featured in Olympic Fever is accurate. Thanks for listening, and now on to the show. I was freaking out, and he was staying calm, because I was like, what do I do? I throw in like two days, and he's like, Whatever happens, it will happen. Just throw. Mesdames et messieurs, the greatest festival of our contemporary society, the Olympic Games, is about to begin. This is going to be close. Hello and welcome to another episode of Olympic Fever, the podcast for Olympics fans. I am your host, Jill Jarris, joined as always by my lovely co-host, Allison Brown. Allison, hello. How are you today? When my baby, when my baby smiles at me, I go to Rio. <laughs> That's very good. Thank you. Because we're going to Rio today. Which is nice because, you know, right now it's November, so it's getting warmer in Rio and getting colder here. And I could go for some warmer temperatures. A little chilly. So yes, we are going to Rio today to hear back from Deanna Price. Uh, it's part two of our interview with her. Deanna is a US Olympian and the current world champion in hammer throw. And she's going to tell us all about her adventures in Rio. Take a listen. So what were some of your favorite moments from Rio? <laughs> oh man. So I actually had a crazy time in Rio. Um, so I saw a dead body. What? So, yes. So we're in Rio and we're driving up to the naval base and it wasn't open yet because that's where we trained. And I remember sitting there in the bus just waiting and I look over and this guy is just laying in this very awkward position on like the sand and like, cause it was like next to the road. It was like the, cause it's, uh, the naval base is next to, you know, the water. So it's like sand, like the road, sand, a couple trees, uh, and then water. And he's just laying in this funny position. And I thought oh, that is such a weird position to be sleeping in. And so I remember just sitting there taking a couple pictures. Well, we, it was about 15 minutes that we had to wait. And I just keep just kind of laughing. Cause I'm like, this guy looks so weird. And then I just kind of started watching his chest and I saw it wasn't moving. And I'm like, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. I'm like, okay, he, he's fine. He's fine. He's, he's probably, you know, just barely just breathing and you just can't see it. And then a bird landed on him and 
I was like, I think he's dead. I think he's dead. And then next thing you know, here comes an ambulance. And they put him in a black bag and zip him up and put him in the car. And I was just up there and I was like, well, um, I'm going to delete these photos now. So (laughs) (laughs) and I was like, I can't believe I just saw a dead body. (laughs) Do you know what the backstory was? No clue. Absolutely no clue. He, 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 he didn't look, um, he looked, he looked like he was homeless, but I, no clue. Okay. No clue. And it was also one of those things that I really didn't want to know either. <laughs> right. <laughs> I was like, yep, okay. I was like, that happened. And then while I was there in Rio, I ended up having like a severe allergic reaction. I don't know. I'm not allergic to anything that I know of. But when I was there, it was like two days before competition. I had a severe allergic reaction. I'll have to send you guys the photos, the photo of it because you'll die. My left, it was basically looked like a bad Lindsay Lohan injection. Wow. And my lips swelled up. You know, those bottle, uh, I guess like they, uh, the challenge that people were doing that were like uh, sucking on a bottle and having their lips sucked in. Oh, okay. Yeah, that, it looked like that. And then but my left side of my face was all slumped over. Oh wow! And crazy. it was it was crazy. I was sitting there, I was like, "Oh my god, what am I gonna do?" And uh, I went to the doctors, and they ended up having to do a therapeutic use exception form for me. They gave me, uh, I think it was like three Benadryl and one prednisone. I slept for over fifteen hours. Wow. I was out like a light <laughs> and I'm sitting there. I was like, no, I can't, I don't want to like take Benadryl or anything. Cause it messes with your central nervous system. Mm-hmm. And so, and that's one thing that uh, JC, like, so like, that's what we kind of manipulate is, you know, try to peek you out is getting your central nervous system all riled up and ready to go. And next thing you know, my, I was sitting there and my husband looked at me, he's like, okay, this is happening. <laughs> <laughs> and, so, and he did so good because I was freaking out and he was staying calm and because I was like what do I do I throw in like two days and he's like whatever happens it will happen just throw and it was crazy because like the day before this I ended up throwing like my 10 like 71 72 meters which was crazy and I was like holy crap, I'm going to throw huge. And then, well, bam, that happened. And I was like, well, yep, that happened. (laughs) So it was just one of those moments where you're just like, ah, okay. Clearly it it just wasn't like, and and I did well. I did well for everything. And and I had a blast. And that's kind of where, like, I started my relationship with the girls. I just, I absolutely love love the girls who I compete against. You know, I am on the hammer challenge challenge uh, circuit. You, you get to meet, you know, and you're kind of afraid when you're starting out because you don't know anyone. And now, you know, I'm kind of known as like the international hugger. I just hug everyone. <laughs> so <laughs> I just, you know, uh, probably my favorite person is, is Joanna. I love from Poland. I love Joanna and I, Oh, she's just the sweetest. And Alexandria from, um, uh, from France is great. I absolutely love her too. Uh, like those are like 
they're my gals. Every time I see them, I get super excited. And, uh, you know, Joanna's like, you're crazy like me. I'm like, yes. And that's why we get along. (laughs) (laughs) We've got a couple of listener questions I wanted to make sure we get to. So um, listener Manu wondered, outside of the major championships and, like, Olympic trials and the Olympics, what meets do you like going to? What meets do I like going to? Well, uh, you kind of have to get international meets under your belt. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times um, it's whatever hammer challenges they have. So uh, we we pay it out of our own pocket to go to the hammer challenges um, just to get that international experience. But my favorite places that I have competed at, um, Zimbabwe, Hopefully I said that correctly uh, in Hungary. Uh, love it. Uh, there's a guy named Zolt there. He's fantastic. I got to meet uh, Primos Komos and, oh, my gosh, and uh, the Greek um, record holder, uh, Alexandru. Um, like, I, I got to meet so many amazing people, and they have such a great facility. I absolutely love the experience. And, that that to me it was it was a lot of fun and probably the next one that I really liked was Jamaica was great that was a lot of fun uh, the people's spirit in Jamaica is so hype so exciting and you know I, I really haven't had you know now that I'm thinking about it like every meet was just so unique in its own way and another another great one was Osaka Japan that was fine you know I. Everyone that I've been to, I've had a wonderful experience, and everybody's been so hospitable and so kind. You know, you you have some rings that need some work, but, you know, that's why I bring about six different pairs of shoes, because I don't know how that ring is. But, you know, um, altogether, I just love traveling and be able to just meet new people. So I've had just hands-down great experiences. Oh, okay, so now I got to know about the shoes. Do you have spikes? No, no, no. So I have like so my different shoes. Like I have slow shoes. So ones that I've been wearing that I've had for like two years. So they don't have as slick of a bottom sole. Okay. And so if so, if the ring is very fast, like lightning fast, and I just can't stay in my turns and stay down. I, I put on a slower shoes so I can okay. stay more ground connected and then vice versa. So if the ground is like super slow, I put on my brand new shoes. Like I always carry a brand new pair with me just in case. And you know, I'll throw in those. And then there's moments that if my right leg is um, slow and lagging, I'll put on a fast right shoe. And then I have my normal shoes that I wear day to day. So I carry different pairs of shoes throughout okay. the season. <laughs> yeah, that that makes sense. I roller skate and you always have to have different wheels depending on your floor. So different hardness exactly. and stuff. So that makes exactly. sense to me now. Yeah. Okay. All right. Every time I go to the airport, I always feel terrible because they always check my bag and I just look at them and I'm like, and I just say, I'm so sorry because this is about to smell terrible. Because <laughs> <laughs> I always, so like international traveling I, I've had a great experience with bags, always getting there, but you never know. So always pack your throwing, ba- like your throwing shoes, your gloves, your tape, 
backpack, your uniform, and an extra pair of clothes, and then your universal charger. That is what you need to carry on with you if you're traveling internationally, because you never know. Okay. (laughs) Because at at least you can compete. (laughs) (laughs) We had we had a couple of questions about how. Uh, the U.S. media covers uh, athletics, and is there anything you would change about how they cover it? And listener Patrick also brought up uh, your interview with Lewis Johnson from NBC after winning the <laughs> the gold and and the big hug, which was fantastic, and you know makes me cry. But like, how? I mean, unfortunately, for I think a good portion of our country, we only think about track and field once every four years or so. Yes. Do you think we that the media could do a better job in covering it or promoting it? Uh, it really should be, especially in the United States, because when I go internationally, there's so many people that know us. That You know, even in 2015, whenever I went to China, I had so many people come up to me and they knew my marks from my freshman year in college. And they knew my progressions. And, you know, I, I've never had that experience in my life. I was like, what? Because a lot of times in the United States, you have to explain to people what a hammer is. Because a lot of times they think a hammer is a hammer <laughs> that's with nails. Yeah, right? And, uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's definitely funny, but crazy all at the same time. Definitely, if with our events, um, it, it's going to be hard. It is very hard because the United States is prim- prim- primarily major sports are baseball, basketball and football and and then I'll even throw hockey in there those are primarily the sports that the U.S. has huge media is on and um, it is very hard to kind of get that fire started but I feel like if it's being able to put it in perspective so like you having me explain how to throw the hammer you know um, and what I needed every single moment in detail You know, I've never had someone ask me that question before. You know, I've never had people try to explain and maybe getting more exposure and having people try it, you know, get it, maybe being able to, you know, put the hammer into more high school, high schools, because then they're going to be able to have that connection of, oh, I remember seeing that, uh, you know, versus what is that? It's just one of those things that, you know, a little bit more exposure would be great. I absolutely love track and field. And I think it's something that um, should definitely get more notoriety of because it's such a history evolving event. You know, it's something that, you know, it's been around for ages. And it's just, I think, getting people in touch with seeing this and having it and having examples. So my hammer is 8.8 pounds. That's like a steel iron skillet. And I'm throwing that 256 feet, eight inches and be able to put it in perspective of how far that is. So I'm throwing that from the end zone to like the 20 yard line on the other side, you know, being able to put it in perspective so people can understand or being able to say, you know, um, how fast Christian Coleman is and being able to explain, be like, okay, how fast that is, like how fast this animal is or you know, being able to maybe even pull in other athletes. Well, this athlete and, and um, during the combine only ran this fast and he's like MVP, you know, different certain things like that, being able to put it into a better perspective to get more viewers, to get them more enticed 
and being able to see, you know, another one, how, how high jump is like, that's crazy. And be able to be like, wow, that is like jump, like just jumping over two cars or um, the pole vault, you know, how many stories are they jumping over? You know, being able to put it in more of a, something that they can compare to. And I think that's how you're going to get people to get that connection and be like, whoa, okay. Like, that's crazy. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, that's some serious superhero stuff there. I mean, it's pretty impressive. (laughs) (laughs) It's just, you know, just putting in somebody else's perspective and getting them on, you know, that level of understanding. Because a lot of times when you hear only eight pounds, you're like, wow, that's not, that's not really that much. But when it's you're heavier than a football. It, exactly. Yeah, it's heavier than a football. And, and, it's, and uh, you know, like, God, an iron skillet or a, you know, uh, one of my friends did a video. She's like, that's the size of my newborn baby. That, <laughs> 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 you know, just like things like that. And it's just being able to relate to people. And I think that's how we can get better exposure and that's how it should be exposed. And then during the media, you know, a lot of times the throwing events do get sidelined. Mm-hmm. And, and we do. And, um, you know, maybe doing a split screen. If there's two events, don't just pan to one. Go into a split screen and show, and be able to see both. Because I guarantee that people, like, to see, like, the craziness of how it all unfolds. Um, mm-hmm. And then it's just having that ability to do something like that and kind of get more exposure. Excellent. Have you ever competed in a Scottish Highland game style event? I have seen many Scottish games. Yes, I, I've i always wanted to do it, but my husband won't let me. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe when you retire from competition? That, that is what he said. He said, when you retire, you can do this. He goes, because the, the hay bale toss. Uh-huh. With the pitchfork, yeah. He goes, I can see this. You're gonna hit yourself with that thing. <laughs> he's, like, and he's like, you're gonna hurt yourself, and then he's like, and then you're not gonna be able to throw, and then he's like, and then I'm gonna be sitting there thinking, why? <laughs> uh, he, he, he's hilarious. And then also, a listener Brian who asked that question wanted to know: the author Road Dahl has a children's books uh, series called Matilda. Have you read those at oh, all? Oh, like, like Matilda, like the movie? Yeah, where, yeah, I uh, think so, yeah. She takes the kid with the pigtails and throws her like the hammer? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. I have seen, oh gosh. Oh yeah, I've seen that. That I haven't read the book, but I've definitely seen the movie. And I pray that I don't look like Miss Crunchful. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Thank you so much, Deanna. Be sure to follow Deanna on Twitter at DeannaPrice32, and she's on Insta at Deanna.Price, and we will have links to those in the show notes. That was the best story we have ever heard, I (laughs) think, from an Olympics. I think that may win the Team Olympic Fever Prize of Best Olympics. Oh, my gosh. You know, because you ask these questions like, oh, how how was your Olympics? And you don't expect to hear, oh, hey, I saw a dead body. Those were some pretty unique adventures. A little frightening, and yet she just handled it with such a blom. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, hey, it's fine. I'm gonna go throw some hammers now. Right. 
Well, you know, it could be because she can throw a hammer. She was not really afraid of anything. That could be. I mean, really. That'll take somebody out, man. (laughs) Take me out in 30 (laughs) seconds. I would whack myself in the head with that thing. Well, thank you so much, Deanna. It was great fun to talk with you. And uh, we look forward to watching you on the road to Tokyo. Moving on to our Team Olympic Fever update. Tofu! In this segment, we look at our past guests who become members of Team Olympic Fever, and we see what they are up to. And we are happy to be sponsored by PinCollector.com. PinCollector.com is the world's largest online community for Olympic pin collectors. It's free to join, and it's a place where you can easily catalog value and show off your collection. So right now, the catalog contains about 26,000 pins, and it's updated in real time. So you always have the most current info on what's available and what your collection is worth. The One of the great things is you can also buy, sell, and trade pins on the platform, and their rates are much lower than other online platforms. So check out pincollector.com and put your collection up today. You can see my profile up there. I'm still putting my collection on, and I'm looking forward to doing some trading soon. And there may be a new pin you can add to your collection. That's right, because we have our very own Team Olympic Fever pin, and uh, we are giving that to everyone who becomes one of our Patreon patrons. You can join Patreon at many levels. There are different benefits to each level. Some of the higher levels have bonus audio, but all of our Patreon patrons get an Olympic Fever pin of their very own. Look at patreon.com slash Fever for more information. Or if you'd like to do just a one-time donation, because Patreon is an ongoing donation, uh, one-time donations you can do at our website at olimfever.com and click on support the show. And you will find a link to PayPal. And there, if you make a $20 donation, you can get your own Olympic Fever pin. We are super excited because they are very cool. So there was some big news this week. There was so- big news this week. Don Harper Nelson, hurdler, has decided to come out of retirement and try for Tokyo. That was so exciting to see. She put this big video up on uh, social media, and it was so cool. When I saw it, I was just, I, I was astounded, and I was so happy because, man, Team USA has a story on her comeback, and, and she says, like, when she was growing up, she said that growing up, she always heard that the way you're supposed to be a good mom is to stop everything you're doing and focus on your kid. And she realized that that means your dreams stop. And then when she had her child, she still had that dream to run and compete again. I feel like Tokyo 2020 is going to be the Olympics of the moms. Oh, yeah. There's so many moms who are trying, which I love that the idea that you can take a break in your elite athletic career, have a baby, and then come back. You know, this is really going to be the first generation of female athletes who are doing this in any great numbers. I mean, there's always been a handful here and there, mm-hmm. but this is a whole generation of women who are coming back to elite competition after having a baby, which is fantastic. Right. And it's shattering this idea that you have to stop your life in order to have a kid. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. She's been like her, her video announcement. She's just already out there working hard. You can tell. And to me, some of the funniest videos that she posts is when she's training with Harper. 
mm-hmm. when she takes the baby with her on the run <laughs> or, you know, Harper's there. And I just, I love that Harper is a part of the training with yes, her. Yes, it's fantastic. even better. Probably mom's biggest fan. Oh, absolutely. All right. Um, and speaking of moms, yes. Megan Randall. Right. Competed in the New York City Marathon. Yes, so she completed the New York City Marathon in 2.55, under three hours. That's just, that's Take incredible. That cancer. Right? <laughs> so congratulations to her. That was pretty exciting. That was exciting. And news from our newest Team Olympic Fever mom, uh, Megan Duhamel's baby is in the NICU, so she's still trying to grow strong enough to go home. Megan has left the hospital herself, but she's always there to uh, be with her baby. But we hope that her little Zoe gets stronger and is able to leave the hospital soon. Yeah, she was. Zoe made a, a little early appearance, so she was pretty tiny. Mm-hmm. But we're looking good, and we're we're thinking of you, Megan, and we're pulling for Zoe. Exactly. Uh, let's move on to Tokyo 2020 news. So, Jill. Oh. Are there any updates to the marathon, yeah, marathon saga? Again, the day we released the show last week, the saga ended. And Tokyo acquiesced and agreed to move the race walking and marathon to Sapporo. They're not happy about it. And you know who else isn't happy about it is the architect of the Tokyo Stadium. In the Japan Times reported that Kengo Kuma uh, was not thrilled to hear, or I'm sorry, it was, quote, very regrettable that they've moved the, the marathon out of Tokyo because... As it says in this article, the new national stadium, whose roof is made out of wood, is designed to harmonize with the ginkgo tree-lined Jingu Gaiin outer gardens of the Meiji Shrine. So the marathon runners were going to run among the ginkgo trees and then run into the stadium with that element of the ginkgo trees reflecting that. And now they're not. And Sapporo is... Because Sapporo was surprised that they were getting this little boon so they're okay with this now, too? Yeah, they, they kind of have to be. Yeah. So organizers are now working hard to put together these races. They'll have the men's and women's marathon, the men's and women's 20-kilometer walk, and the men's 50-kilometer walk. That's Get on a, that, Sapporo. <laughs> that's a fair amount to uh, try to do. The Guardian reported that they're still talking about who's picking up the tab for all of this. Of course. So we will keep an eye on that. And I, I got to say, if if the IOC thought this. in those test events and those competitors have to deal with that too yeah why don't we just move the whole olympics to antarctica and we'll be I fine i know antarctica put a bin you'll be warm enough soon oh but we'll have a penguin race yeah i i mean it's just crazy because that that's not moving this is not going to stop i think it just opened a whole new can of worms well maybe i mean we really okay so the one thing i will say is that 
the more reading and history that I look at, Athens, Rio, there was always discussion of weather in various but right. Atlanta, there, Los Angeles, there's been a lot of different Olympics where heat has been a concern or weather mm-hmm. in some fashion has been a concern. And I think what we need to get back to is if you're going to award the Olympics to Tokyo, to Rio, you cannot have it in July and August. We need can't to say that more... about Rio because it was, was winter. Yeah, but they were concerned about the weather, about it being too cold in the water. Oh, that's right. You have to go with, if you're going to award it to a city, you have to work with their schedule. That, or if you're going, or you have to have eyes wide open and a massive contingency plan if you're going to have to put it in July and August, period. If you're set to that, if you are absolutely married to those dates, either we start awarding based on that, you know, cities that Mm -hmm. have appropriate weather at that time of year. Or we have to find new ways to work around it. So Los Angeles for 2028 really needs to be looking at this very, very carefully. Right. And saying, how are we going to address this? Because Los Angeles in July is no joke. No, it's hot. And we're also talking that it's nine years away right now. And climate change has been a big part of the news. So what is the climate going to be like in nine years? Is it going to be changed in a way that's not very discernible to us? Or is it going to be a massive shift in how we function day to day? I don't know. I'm a little concerned. Well, yeah. Who knew knew we'd have to cover climate change on the Olympic show? (laughs) But we do. I mean, certainly the winter athletes have been talking about it for years. Right, because that's affecting the snow. Right. And now the summer athletes have to jump in on this because if it's too hot to run these events in July, what does that mean for the whole process of selecting cities Mm -hmm. and scheduling and how this works going forward? Right. And I think Los Angeles is going to be because Paris is so far down the line in terms of how it's already planning. Their schedule's already Mm -hmm. set. but Los Angeles is far enough out that they can still make huge changes to how they're planning. And it's a very hot city at that time of year. Yeah, right. They don't even have the dates on the Olympics website. So they could move it to October if they wanted to. We will have to see about that. I will say I did see on Twitter and I'm really, really sorry that I can't attribute this because it was I probably saw it on my phone and I didn't screen cap it and it was hilarious. It was somebody who was quoting a story from last year when the IOC said, we like to be very hands-off and let the host cities do their thing. And look what happened. I know. They like to be hands-off if they have to pay the bill. Right. So we're the, the whole who's, who's going to foot the bill for this, that'll be interesting to find out. Because if we're still going with John Coates' idea of, well, we'll just do something for the kids and for, you know, a nice service project. You know, that doesn't pay the bills, John. It's nice for you to want to do a service project, but that's not going to pay the hundreds of millions of dollars and the hours of headaches that it's going to cause in trying to set up these five races, trying to get uh, logistics taken care of, security for that. Where are these athletes going to stay? Where are, because you are talking about a good, I mean, you get 
40 to 60 people per marathon. I mean, it's a pretty big event. And same with the race walks. Those, those and are coaches big events. and officials. Right. And, I mean, we're you're talking about at least a few hundred right. people in, you know, directly involved with these races. And then volunteers that you have to recruit. And vo- yeah. yeah, you have no volunteers up in Sapporo. Right. So you have to you recruit have to- that stuff. And you're going to have to put them in the same uniforms. And so is that on top of the volunteers you've already recruited? Or are you going to suddenly look at your volunteer list and say, oh, you were coming to Tokyo, but you actually live up in Hokkaido. So we're going to put you there. Or are you going to tell volunteers that are from other countries? Oh, hey, you've been suddenly assigned to Sapporo. You thought you were going to be in Tokyo. Sorry. I'm curious to know since when you're there, what the... When you go, I I really want to hear about that. Yeah, it'll be it will be interesting. Needless yes. to say, needless to say. All right, I think that will wrap it up for this week. Oh, you know what oh, else? What? Don Harper Nelson's coming back. Yes, yes. It's awesome. <laughs> uh, so nice to end on a good note. <laughs> so that'll wrap it up for this week. Let us know what you thought of the show. Email us at olimfever at gmail.com or call our voicemail hotline at 5307OFever. We're Olimfever on Twitter and Insta and Olympic Fever Podcast Group on Facebook. Next week, Book Club Flair joins us to discuss Munich 1972, so be sure to tune in for that. Thanks so much for listening, and until next time, keep the flame alive. They're my gals. Every time I see them, I get super excited. Do 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 do.